and welcome to another episode of Law Simplified. I'm your podcast host, Sarah O'Casey, and I'm joined today by another spectacular guest. She's a criminal barrister at Three Temple Gardens Chambers. She has experience working for both prosecution and defence. She's also the founder of Cake and Counsel, which is an NGO providing advice and tips for those aspiring towards a career in the law. Our podcast listeners, we have Ruth Reed. Ruth, hello and welcome to Law Simplified. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm doing well today, thank you. And yourself? Fantastic. I'm doing great. Thank you for being here. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for committing to record this podcast with Law Simplified. No problem. Fantastic. Now, our podcast listeners, before we start the podcast, make sure you check out our TikTok. We will be doing a special TikTok with Ruth, so make sure you check it out. Now, Ruth, we want to start off the podcast by discussing your peer network in society, which is, as we discussed, is Cake and Council. Now, we have already established that it's the platform that provides informal networking and advice for aspiring lawyers, and it's, it has a huge number of followers on social media. So tell us how it all started and um, what was your thoughts in, in 2017 when you decided to found it? Thank you. Um, Cake and Council was something that was in my mind for a long time, to be completely honest. Um, being, you know, a, a young black woman um, aspiring to become a barrister from Sheffield, um, a smaller city, um, it was quite a struggle to find the right information, the right connections, um, and the right opportunities to kind of advance my career as a barrister. Um, I studied in Birmingham at Aston University and, and got a little bit more um, support, but I graduated the year that I did as the only person that wanted to become a barrister, the rest of my cohort wanted to become solicitors. Um, and so it was still just trying to navigate this, navigate this sphere um, where there weren't many people that I could turn to um, or speak to or, or get, you know, kind of real advice, unfiltered advice and information from. Um, and so fast forward to 2017, when I was still undertaking my own pupillage um, and I decided to finally make a public profile um, on, on social media. Yeah. Um, and I started getting messages from people who were you know law students um, may have come from similar backgrounds to me who had the same questions and the same issues that I had experienced um, and so I decided to kind of finally kind of put something together um, and the main points are just to make it a little bit more comfortable a little less formal uh, law is great um, legal networking events are great you know I went to the dining sessions at the inns of courts but you know I went there and was faced with so many knives and forks and different wine glasses and glasses for port and things that I'd never heard of, never <laughs> drunk, never eaten. Um, and so I just thought if I feel like this, I'm sure there's many other people who want to become barristers or solicitors who feel like this as well. So why don't we have a little bit, you know, slightly easier options, some cakes, <laughs> some nibbles, finger foods, things that you don't need to kind of worry about or feel like an imposter or an intruder in that 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 space so that's what we tr really try to do and we also try to make sure that at our events and at, um our workshops there's a higher ratio of legal professionals because sometimes what i also found is that in my own experiences i remember going to one event where there was a panel 
and I stood there for ages waiting to speak to one of the panel members who knew I was there carried on talk he carried on talking to these two young ladies who were hogging him um and then he left didn't acknowledge me and I just thought this is ridiculous that you knew I was standing there you know that I'm kind of a keen aspiring lawyer and you didn't even have the decency to kind of say you know hello how are you doing or I saw you waiting and so again like we try to kind of stop that we know that it's very difficult for aspiring lawyers to kind of even build up the courage sometimes to speak to qualified professionals who we put on these pedestals so again we try to make sure that we have friendly approachable down to earth (laughs) professionals at our events that are are there knowing that you're there specifically to speak with a network with um people who are in a position that you once were in absolutely (laughs) you know it's a shame that aspiring lawyers are always afraid to approach um professionals but it's not it's not scary as it sounds you know, you can just speak to them, network with them, and it just becomes it's so it becomes so easy to get the information you need. So uh, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So tell us why why is it called Cake and Council then? <laughs> um, I love alliteration. I love play on words. English literature was one of my favourite subjects um, at school, and I took it at A level as well. So uh, a little bit of play on words, a little bit of alliteration. Uh, the cake is because I have a sweet tooth, and because we make sure that there's cakes at the events. And council is, you know, you think about counselling support, but in the way that it's spelled, it is council, as in advocates, barristers. Um, it's not limited to just barristers and asp- aspiring barristers. It is for anybody who's interested in the law, but um, council starts with a c as does cake so i went yeah. <laughs> so i did guess it right you do like cake then <laughs> oh i love cake <laughs> <laughs> um okay so ruth let's move on to the next point which is your long-term vision for cake and council do you do you have a vision for where it's going to go for example 10 20 years from now yes i mean it's still kind of um it's still surprising at times um where we've come um to be honest, you know, it was just kind of something that I've been thinking about and just wanting to kind of just provide a safe space for aspiring lawyers. And to be honest, the first one was because I couldn't maintain meeting people one-on-one. And I was still undertaking pupillage, my timetable, my calendar wasn't my own. Um, And so I thought, well, why not have kind of, you know, small group meetings? And we've been really fortunate to have partnered with you know some of the largest universities um down south and in the midlands and so our events have got a little bit bigger than what i probably thought they would have been um the long-term vision is still to maintain the smaller more intimate um opportunities we'd love to be able to kind of pair with some universities to provide um scholarships or career development courses and things that can really make a, a greater impact in individuals lives um and yeah I'd, I'd love to be able to kind of expand out of down south I'm aware that I'm a northerner and so <laughs> I feel like I've <laughs> neglected my northern roots just by virtue of logistics and location but yeah we'd love to kind of be able to branch back out and reach those untouched cities that I know so so well you know 
Yeah, definitely. And you know, with the pandemic, it was it was a good thing because a lot of people resorted to the social media, resorted to the uh, online events, and I and I was aware of uh, what Kent Council were doing during the pandemic. So it was it was a good thing, wasn't it, for for your um, foundation? Yes, thank you. It meant that that people who wanted to join us um, physically were able to do so online rather than you know kind of navigating a train from wherever they live down to wherever the location of the event was. Absolutely. So Ruth, let's move on to your journey to the legal profession. So tell us about how you became a barrister, first of all. Why did you want to do it? And how is it going so far? Fab, I will try and keep this brief. Um, growing up, my mum was a teacher. I thought I wanted to be a teacher for a little while. Um, and she strongly persuaded me not to become one. Um, I also knew um, or had interactions with doctors and nurses, knew I wanted to do something to help people. Um, I don't do well with blood, guts and gore. So again, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't become um, a healthcare professional. Um, when I was at secondary school, I was selected to be a part of an outreach scheme that was um, pushing children who they felt could become doctors towards that. So I went on a lot of uh, field trips, school trips. Um, there was only two of us from my school that were selected for it. So it was nice to kind of get chances to get out of class and be away from my friends, like, you know, the special chosen one. Um, and as a part of one of those trips, I worked with um, medical law students and we were talking about Dolly the sheep and, you know, designing babies and cloning animals and things. And I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I spoke with the students after and they just said you know my participation and how I could become a barrister and so I looked into it more and decided that, that yeah that's something I really wanted to pursue Um I chose the A-levels that you know they would want or they would look at uh, uh, as someone who wanted to become a barrister yeah. and then I went to university at Aston um, studied law with management at that stage I thought I wanted to maybe become a sports or media lawyer um but by second year I studied criminal law and fell in love with it mm -hmm. and really enjoyed it and so then kind of steered my path towards um getting to the criminal bar um after I finished university I did the BPTC as it was then um, I did that full-time for a year I left that, I was a barrister's assistant for a year, and then I was a paralegal for a few months um, when I got my pupillage. And so I carried on working there for the following year and then started my pupillage um, the following autumn. I should say that throughout all of my studies, so my four year placement um, sandwich degree, mm -hmm. and also the one year full-time BPTC, um, I worked part-time in retail um, and so, I always made sure that I had the flexibility um, to do bits of voluntary legal work experience as well, such as um, with Bradical, which is like the Midlands version of FRU, and also yeah. the witness service that was based at Birmingham Crown Court. Fantastic. And do you know what? A lot of aspiring barristers think that you can only become a barrister if you're coming from Oxbridge and you had set in stone that you want to be a barrister as soon as you come out of your mother's womb you know so it's okay to not know <laughs> yeah definitely 
Um, so, okay, Ruth, now you mentioned some of those past roles that you have uh, been involved in before becoming a criminal barrister um, and some of those roles that you currently do as well as being a criminal barrister. So talk to us about those past roles that you have been involved in. Yeah, um, my retail roles, I worked at French Connection for four years. I then worked at Oasis and Red Five Gadget Store uh, whilst I was um, undertaking my BPTC and after that. Um, love them, you know, love a bit of fashion. Um, it kept me in good clothes whilst I was studying and it made sure that I could also eat because I love food whilst I was studying and helped take some of the strain off of the student loan and my poor parents who helped support me um, through my studies. Um, legal roles I then went on to do. I was a barrister's assistant. Um, shout out to my friend uh, Leon who sent me the link at the time I literally had just finished the BPTC. I had been looking for legal jobs but I missed that one on one of the sites and a friend of mine saw it and sent it to me. Um, I applied for it and the rest is history. Um, that was a fantastic opportunity to see firsthand um, what exactly it was like yeah. being a barrister, you know, day to day managing this was a prominent QC at the time. He's now a high court judge. Um, it was managing his diary looking at you know emails and telephone calls and just balancing all of the things that go into managing a practice being a you know a practicing barrister um, and I was based in an office in his chambers as well so um, you know dealing with clerks you know printing things legal research everything basically that goes into a practice um, I was able to see firsthand and be really immersed in that um, I then was a paralegal at the serious fraud office um, and it was there that I then um, secured, when I was there, I secured my pupillage. That was a fantastic opportunity. Again, it's, you know, a, a large um, government-based organisation um, and I was surrounded with a great team who knew that I was an aspiring barrister um, they helped me get, you know, further work experience and okay. made sure that some of the tasks that I was undertaking were very, you know, legal based um, and maybe a little bit, you know, more responsibility than what um, I probably should have um, been doing or not, not that I should have been doing, to be completely honest, but they helped me kind of accelerate quicker in terms of yeah. responsibilities because they knew of my drive and determination to become a barrister. Oh, fantastic. Now, actually, we want to talk about the Serious Fraud Office and um, are you still currently uh, working with them? And so thankfully I, I um, was able to get my pupillage. So I, I left and um, undertook my pupillage and, and qualified. Um, so now I have actually become one of their panel members. Um, so they have panels, um, various government organizations have panels of fully qualified barristers. Right. Um, they recruit uh, every maybe three or four years. And so it means that you are on their list list of people they can select from to undertake some of their trials. Oh fantastic. So tell us what the serious fraud office is. Now at Law Simplified we try to simplify the law um, to persons that are not legally um, qualified. So tell us what that involves. What, what is a serious fraud office? Um, it's a an organisation <laughs> that's a part of the um it's under the attorney general and they in investigate uh 
very high value or yeah. complex levels of sophisticated fraud um, along with bribery and corruption. So um, some of the larger um, you know, fraud cases that you have seen reported in the newspapers, um, a lot of them would have been dealt with by the Serious Fraud Office. Right, fantastic. And you, we also mentioned that you prosecute and defend. Again, simplify it for us. What are some of the main differences that you see prosecuting and then defending? Yes, um, I'll try to, um, to keep it brief. Um, when you have a case or a disagreement, just like they say there's two sides to every story, there tends to be two main parties. And um, when we're talking about criminal law, we often talk about the prosecutor and the defendant or the defense. The prosecutor is the person that generally um, brings the case. It's them that wants to prove that this defendant or this accused person has done this thing, um, X, Y, or Z. And so the prosecutor will get their information from the police. Often, if someone has reported a crime and said that this defendant has done it, they will then make their case and bring it to court. Most of the prosecutions in the UK, or many of them that are public, are done by the CPS, the Crown Prosecution Service. Right. Now, on the other side, you have the defendant. This is the person who's been accused of the crime, and they also are entitled to legal representation. And so you will have a defence advocate or defence counsel. Um, this person is now there to represent the best interests of the defendant. That's to make sure that they have a fair trial if they say they're not guilty. And so they're trying to disprove, uh, for want of a better word, it's not any lawyers listening will tell me off. It's not exactly how it should be phrased, but in they're basically refuting the prosecution's case. They're trying to say, this isn't quite what happened. You know, they have a form of defense, maybe it was self-defense or maybe they're denying it was them, various different reasons. And so when you're defending someone, that's your your main thing is to undermine the prosecution's case and say that this isn't exactly correct this person should be found not guilty um on the other hand sometimes if a defendant has actually pleaded guilty um you still they're still entitled to representation and so as a defense advocate you might just be making sure that they get a fair sentence why did they commit this offense you know what were the circumstances etc etc Fantastic. Thank you, Ruth. I think it's very important to address these um, small details in the profession because a lot of aspiring barristers don't know these small details and what they're getting themselves into unless they do manipulation, unless they shadow barristers, or actually when they are in the job and working as a barrister. So thank you for clarifying that. Thank you. Um, okay, so now let's move on to a little quick fire round questions and I'll just ask you quick questions and you just give me um, a brief answer. It's, it's just to show that not all legal professionals are as daunting as all the aspiring barristers um, think they are, you know, we, we can have fun. <laughs> um, so tell us Ruth, what was your dream job as a child? What did you really, really want to do and become when you were uh, a child? Um, besides the, the ones that I mentioned, I think the ultimate childhood dream really was to be a singer or dancer. I'm sure that I've seen like old books and, and, and notebooks and 
drawings where I was like, yeah, I want to be a famous singer or dancer. Um, <laughs> and reality started to kick in. And that's when I started to look at the other professions. <laughs> <laughs> so we could have had another like Beyonce 2.0, uh, AKA Ruth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Uh, now, Ruth, speaking of fame, tell us um, someone famous you wish to meet one day and it does not have to be a legal profession it could be anybody and tell us why see I'm, I'm really glad you just mentioned Beyonce because <laughs> the person <laughs> I wanted to meet is not Beyonce it's her sister Solange <laughs> oh okay yeah now Solange I think is very underrated um because she's in you know the shadow of her sister Beyonce um, but I find that she's very quirky and um, she also sings um, she acts as well and so it would be yeah I think it would be really nice to kind of just talk to her and also I want to know why she beat up Jay-Z in the lift oh. so it would be really nice to to meet Solange and have a talk with her and um yeah I think I feel like we could be friends oh do you know what this is turning into some ET you know gossip for celebrities <laughs> Because I don't really know who Solange is, so I, you know, I'm taking your word that she's been that she's underrated. So I need to do my research now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now a final question, Ruth, is um, if you had one superpower, what would it be and why? Hmm. I think it would be. I don't know. Could there be one that like catches all? Like you know, you see the Marvel. Um, films and and you know they have various superpowers but I want to be one that has like basically everyone's superpower I know that's really greedy yeah, but <laughs> to be able to regenerate myself and other people but also see through walls and have x-ray vision and things I think but if I had to settle on one I would say like I'd be like Storm from the x-men so whatever power she has I would want well, you need to tell us what the superpower is, not just because she's <laughs> be able to control the elements. Wow, that's powerful. That is really powerful, Ruth. You have a lot of, you know, vision inside you, and there's it's just waiting to come out. We just, we should put you in like a movie with Beyonce, Solange, <laughs> with Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, I love it. Ruth, thank you so much. This has been a fantastic podcast. Thank you for uh, your presence. Thank you for your time. Um, it, it's been a fantastic episode. Thank Our you podcast so listeners. for me. <laughs> Sorry? So thank you so much for having me. No, it's a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here with All Simplified. Our podcast listeners, this is the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you check out our TikTok with Ruth after this episode. And make sure you check her out on all social media. She's on LinkedIn. She's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Eventbrite. It's Cake and Council. And on Instagram, it's Cake underscore and underscore Council. Make sure you also check her out at Legally Ruth on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And whatever you do, do not forget to check Law Simplified out on all our social media we're available on linkedin twitter instagram facebook and even tiktok at law simplified uk thank you so much for being here thank you so much for this episode we'll see you on the next episode thank you